Welcome to the Speech Source Podcast. My name is Mary Brzeek. And I'm Kim Dillon. We are two pediatric speech-language pathologists with a combined 25 years of experience. We are your source for speech, language, feeding, play, and much more in between. Today, we're talking about the importance of pretend play. So we have been on giving lots of our ideas and our favorites for favorite toys and favorite books and favorite puzzles. And these are all great, but we really wanted to focus on what is pretend play and the importance of that. It's a, it looks a little bit different than very structured play or toys, cause and effect toys, um, games, something that has a clear beginning and end. And so today we really wanted to talk about pretend play. So the first thing is kind of what is pretend play? And this is going to look different throughout stages of development. But in general, this is just going to be your loosely structured play. So these are going to be times when kids can practice role playing, some of that non-literal behavior. A big word used with pretend play is symbolic play which also means assigning objects to things. So I know a lot of people think about this if you think about a kid picking up a banana and using it to talk on the phone or maybe using a plate or a bowl or something else for a steering wheel. So it's incorporating some of these other objects. But they're pretending that these objects are something else. And it's usually, especially when they're younger, something that they've seen an adult or another child do. They're just imitating it, but they're using some of these other objects for symbolic play. And so pretend play is just supposed to be creative and fun and something that kids kind of grow their imagination with. So Mary, can you think of any other things that you've seen your kids do? I know your middle child is at a really great age for this. Um, you know, two to yes. three is really when you're going to start seeing this play start to develop. Um, so I was curious if you were seeing him yes. do any of these things. Yes. Okay. So I really like the beginning of pretend play and the development of pretend play because this is when I feel like it's the toddler stage where they're just really funny. You know, they just yeah. come up with these funny and creative ways to play. And it's a way to really kind of process the world around them and make it a little more concrete and understandable and relatable. And so, yeah, actually my kiddos, we bought them or actually this, it was a gift for my for my son for his birthday. We were opening up this gift, which is this huge um, it's called a space dome, but you've seen them on playgrounds. You yes. know, it's, we are a family that needs some activity and some hardcore um, play and gross motor movement for my mm -hmm. active son. And so we thought, hey, you know what? That would be a really great way to get outside and hang and climb and do all the things. But as my husband and I are putting together the 132 bolts that are required oh, wow. on this <laughs> on this contraption, my kids, meanwhile, are thinking the gift is the box. And they mm -hmm. are absolutely loving it. They made a spaceship out of the box. Oh, they fun. made these 
huge rocket blasters. They decided to make a little slide, like a, you know, run and slide into the grass on the boxes. Then they made a little house out of the box. The box became a little burrow and they were rabbits. You know, it was so fun to see what they would do with this box and the styrofoam that ended up all around the yard um, that was (laughs) foam blasting from the volcano that the box got into. So, yeah, pretend play is so important and it's so cool to see where they're at. So this is not where they started by any means in pretend play. Just a little bit for for context here. They're, they they just turned four, and my daughter is six, and so they, you know, have a little more developed pretend play now. But when we started, it was the things that they see around them. We were mm-hmm. pretending to mix or bake cookies. We were pretending to play on, like you said, talk on a telephone or. Mm-hmm pretending to do a grocery store. But we work with so many kids in therapy every week who really struggle. This does not come easily for kids to really kind of progress their play from that functional and concrete play into pretend play. And that's okay. But it means that we have to teach it. And it's a skill that is so important. And it's okay if it doesn't come naturally. Right. And I think you're right, Mary. They start acting out what they see. And it's usually familiar routines like feeding a baby or cooking. Or I remember all of my kids pretending typing on a computer because they would see my husband like on his laptop at home sometimes. And that was one that they would pretend. And so I think if you're not seeing this develop naturally, then when you're in a setting where you're playing together, oh, I'm stirring in the bowl and kind of just being very dramatic and showing and seeing if they'll imitate because that is how it starts out. They watch and they imitate. This is where I see that peer influence so much with kids is if a kid's in a setting like a little preschool or a Mother's Day out or even a church nursery they're watching and they might not even imitate it there, but they might be watching somebody pretend like they're rocking a baby or driving a car. And then when they get home, they might pretend play that same way. They're going to practice it by themselves. These are just really great settings for kids to see the different pretend play if it's not coming natural naturally to them. Mm -hmm. I always say that peers are just such a great way to encourage that play. Yes. And that's actually sometimes I find out what's happening at school the most through pretend play, Mm -hmm. because then I'm overhearing what's happening with my kids playing in, in their rooms. And they're saying, no, we do not eat our candy first. You must eat your protein. Mm -hmm, Thinking, oh, okay, they're playing it. They're acting out something they heard at school today, probably at lunch. Um, They are listening. They're actually listening. Yes. Or, you know, you're overhearing some ways that they're playing that that can be positive or they can be out of frustration thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, how do I make sense of this abstract thing that scenario that just happened to me at school? And they're trying to work through 
that in their own play that's not in a concrete way. Right. And it's so, so healthy. As kids practice this and play just with what they see, and then they start to kind of figure out what their likes are, what their interests are, and that helps them start using their imagination to create new and novel scenes. And so your kids were creating a rocket ship because Nate probably loves things that are fast and he's figured yes. that out. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's also great. This is a time boxes. And I put that, you know, on my list to talk about too. So it's funny that that happened just naturally with you yesterday. And I was laughing because you said you were going to change your Christmas gifts to all boxes yeah. because I had just so give much them fun. the bags and boxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing in them. They'll be good. Right. It <laughs> is so much fun. It, it is such a great time that I've seen the siblings play together mm-hmm. is during pretend and imaginative play because usually they're taking cues from each other and they're watching and they're kind of building together. But boxes are just so fun. My two youngest ones love to decorate and color and create their box also. Mm-hmm. It really can just last forever. But um, some of the other reasons why it's so important is that it also, like you said, Mary, it helps kids learn about the world around them. Mm-hmm. And it's a safe way to practice skills outside of context. So even just some of those social and emotional type role play things, you know, interacting with a peer at school or the teacher student or being a patient at the doctor, things that might be hard socially sometimes. Kids can practice that in these pretend settings. And sometimes it's good practice for when they have to be in the real setting. Yes. Even I remember, Kim, we did a it was a Friday favorites or maybe it was an episode, I think, of the podcast. And it was about the library. And I shared that I was very anxious. The whole idea that my family should be very quiet and respectful of people's ears in this setting. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we acted it out at home. And so this is this was going to be a new setting. So I, we have their books on a bookshelf and we pretended that we walked in and here's the books and look, we're going to look at them and bring them to the table. And then that was a really good way to have a fun pretend play sequence that was really for the purpose of prepping them for a setting they'd never been in before. Mm-hmm. And really getting their minds thinking about how they would how they would interact in in a scene. So yeah, pretend play can be used in so many ways. And on the flip side of that, they probably after experiencing the library could come home then and do something like we're going to play library. I'll oh, be the yeah. librarian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to check out books. I'm going to gather all my books and we're going to create a library. So it also works, you know, when kids go to school and then they want to come home and play school or they go to the dentist and they want to come home and play dentist. It helps kids figure out how to navigate the world around them. It helps them just figure out kind of who they are and mm-hmm. what their favorite things are and just really helps to create not only imagination skills, but problem solving skills that are going to help them throughout life. The other issue with pretend play is that because 
It is such a fantastical experience sometimes, especially for our kids that have really vivid imaginations. Sometimes a peer who is playing this routine with you is not going to do what you expected, mm-hmm. or they're not going to kind of play ball and they're going to have a different idea for whatever routine you were doing. And so kids are going to have to be flexible and that's a really good learning experience. There are some specific stages of pretend play and how it develops. And we're not going to talk through that on the podcast today, but I am going to reference an article. It's called The Land of Make-Believe, How and Why to Encourage Pretend Play. It's written by a speech pathologist who's Hannon certified, and she really goes through the different stages of pretend play. So if you're interested in different ages and stages, we will link that article. So we're going to talk through just a few of our favorite pretend play toys. Um, We want to go more in depth with this, with each of these, with some specific Friday favorites, but we wanted to put them out there in a list. And the first group is really some pretend play toys that have more of a structured theme base to them. Um, So it's going to be things like your play kitchen, where you can do restaurant, grocery store. Melissa and Doug has a ton of just baking and cooking activities that really encourage pretend play. Of course, you have your doctor kits and your vet kits. A cash, cash register is a really good one. And again, this can kind of, once they're playing with these things individually and get used to them and learn them, they can start combining them with other things like the kitchen or the toy food, which might move into the restaurant play, or I'm going to have create and set up a grocery store. Dolls and dollhouses are great. Um, And also puppets. Puppets can be really fun. And those can kind of move into all types of different pretend play. You can do animals and you can make a zoo, or you might have a community. School play is great. Just setting up almost like a classroom. This is definitely going to be one that I want to highlight on Friday Favorites because it's something we did with one of our kids and the way we created it was so great. And it has been something that all of my kids have played with. But creating school, this is one that's great for what we talked about earlier is practicing some of those social situations because they are going to school. And sometimes this is a great place and way to practice some of those routines in a safe environment and get ready for that school setting. A workbench and a toolkit is also fun. Post office. This is neat because a lot of kids don't understand that concept yet, or it's not as common as far as creating a letter and mailing it and putting it in the mailbox. A train table is also fun. These can come in all different varieties. Some of them have great storage with them. Some of them are bigger. Some of them are smaller. But kids can do all types of things, creating cities. They can bring in other cars and maybe even animals and little people. Also, house cleaning and outdoor chores, chore toys. I've seen a lot of these lately. I think I just saw like a pretend leaf blower or something somewhere online for kids outside, but they have little play vacuum cleaners. And again, these are things kids are familiar with, especially if they're seeing adults in their world do these things. And it's fun for them to try to 
imitate these skills. And Kim, I'll interject there and say that we own the entire yard care set <laughs> Do you? in our back. Oh, yes. And it is an MVP um, for my son. Yes, we have the leaf blower and the oh, leaf blower and the mower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like when the crew comes, you know, he's always just glued at the window, just watching them. So it's been a great, great, great pretend play sequence for us. Yeah. And they watch those skills and they go out and they kind of try to imitate some of those same behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so what I like about that is those, these toys help create some of these skills. They're, they're exactly what they're seeing, but then you can kind of move into something that's not as concrete and they have to use their imagination. And Mary, like what your kids did with the box and creating a spaceship, they really had to get that next level imagination in creating something because that's not what that box was, but that's what they were able to create from it. And it wasn't, um, this is what this is meant to be. They kind of started to now create something on their own and some great things for this. Well, again, the boxes are always great, but also just building a fort or using a tent. Tents are great, but they also have those little fort builder kits and you can throw a blanket over it and seeing what that becomes, you know, it might become a cave or it might become a house or there's all types of things and using household items with that, just scoops and pots and cups. And those can really be used to help create some great pretend play. Water tables are great for outside and sand pits. Did y'all have either one of those, Mary? Mm-hmm. We, okay. So I'm not all about sand. No, 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 no. We do not have, I'm not that fun of a parent. We do not have sand at our house. <laughs> we don't have a sand pit either, but yeah. every time my kids oh, go somewhere, cringe. It is, they, if there's a sand pit, they're in it. I know. Oh but. yeah. But water table for sure. Yes. We have that, that is also. great. That's been a great, great toy for a lot of ages. And I was going to say too, with, with all of these, when we made this list, we also wanted to make it in the sense of this doesn't have to be a list that you have to feel like you need to go out and buy items for. That's the whole idea about the box, right? Mm -hmm. Is that we can, we don't have to have a puppet. We can make one out of a, out of a paper sack and some markers. It doesn't have to be this expensive, even like an, a Melissa and Doug wish list or something, we can make we make water tables all the time just out of those little one dollar Target bins, you know, the little shoebox size. Pour some water in and put some stuff in it, you know. So all of these items can also be kind of as high or low price point wise as you want, and sometimes the lower the price point, the more creative it is, you know, yes, and really create. And that kind of goes into dress up clothes. We did a whole episode on dress up clothes. And again, there's definitely outfits you can buy that are going to be the firefighter or the doctor, but kids can also just put things together and dress up and create something. And that is what it's so fun to watch and see what they can come up with and what they can create. And you really get to start to see their imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary, you and I know this again, does not come natural for all kids. They don't always have those ideas and um, that initiation on their own to start this pretend play. So 
what are some ways that we can help come alongside them and encourage them to get there? Yeah, I think that that that's a really great question because a lot of times parents see these things and say, yeah, I know they should be playing like that, but they're not. So what do I do? And, and really the answer to that is we teach them, we show them, and we probably will feel very stupid doing it. And that's okay. We're going mm-hmm. to, you're going to, you might feel awkward. You might feel kind of strange, you know, playing along and playing this routine, but getting ourselves out of our comfort zone and showing kids how to pretend play and imagine play is how they can learn to do it. So let's say water table, for example, say, Real easy. You have a bin of water. Most kids enjoy this. And your kid is more in that concrete or just that really simple. They're going to scoop the water with a cup and pour it out. And they're just scooping and pouring and scooping and pouring, right? And so what you're going to do is you're going to put yourself in a parallel position. So next to the child, you're not going to interject and put yourself into their play and then you know, their play is, is done, but you're going to play next to them in a little more, a little more complicated or elevated scheme. So what I mean is say your kid is scooping and dumping, and this could be in the bathtub too. Well, go grab the little animals that little animal toys that you have, put those in the bath and say, Hey, everybody's getting a bath today. Here we go. Look, let's, I'm going to scoop and pour on the pig. I'm going to pretend to wash and wash this pig. He's so dirty. Then from there, you do more schemes and maybe you have a, you know, some little toys in the bath and the pig can slide down and jump in the water. Or maybe this now becomes the, the pouring becomes, you know, like a silly routine with lava or with some kind of silly bucket or something, you know. So basically, you're going to really show your child how you are creative, how mm-hmm. you think, and let them watch that. And it's really just an invitation for them to join in. And I think letting them know it's okay to add in other things or take it outside of that context of what it's supposed to be. Once Mm -hmm. they kind of understand that concept, I think you'll see that transfer over into other toys and into other activities. Mm -hmm. I will say I have one um, child who is just very... And then kids are so different and just like what their interests are and how their brains work for sure. But I am probably a very, I'm very structured and kind of, I like things categorized. And so I do have one child who loves to combine all of the things and the toys and the, and, and it is so great because the imagination is incredible, but in the back of my brain, I'm like, and now we need to get those all back in their little you know, compartments and, and things. And so I think I'm getting this visual of like (laughs) Play-Doh colors mixing together. I'm like, Oh, cringe. I know. And so it's, it's funny because sometimes it's even hard for us as adults to, to be okay with allowing them to do that because that is how they're, they're pretending and that's how they're playing and to not be quite so, 
you know, needing to have everything where it needs to be for me, at least that's just how mm-hmm. I am. Oh yeah. I mean, I think we all need, need some encouragement to not stay within those rigid mm-hmm. confines of what we think play should be or what exactly. we think order or organization should be. And anyone listening who knows me well, personally is laughing at me giving this advice to myself because I need it so badly too. But I think that's why this profession is so great and why being a mom is so rewarding is because it it forces you to kind of be your best self mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, things that, I don't know, like I don't have as many opportunities maybe to be creative, but in play with my children, my creativity and my imagination can really have an outlet, you know, just like a lot of adults enjoy reading books, you know, and kind of take this play and think about it like that as an outlet for you to be creative and show your child how to be creative too. Yes. And I think fostering that is just going to really help with their overall problem solving and thinking as they get older, realizing they don't, they can think outside of the box and they can try and put things together. You know, that's just going to help all of those thoughts develop over time. Okay. So I have one last thought about pretend play and that's that one of the main goals of pretend play in childhood is going to be to foster their imagination and vivid ability to think through schemes that are not their own for reading. And so whenever you are playing and creating with them, think about that you are helping them be a good reader because whenever they're going to start actually reading words on a page, we're going to want them to be able to take those words and make the story out of it that they can visualize and they can immerse themselves in this imaginary world. But if they haven't created those imaginary worlds themselves, they're going to have a lot more trouble with reading comprehension and a lot more trouble understanding how to put someone else's ideas or written words into their imagination. So Mm -hmm. just another good reminder that all of this play is going to really, really help those later, more elementary level skills. I hope that you got some good ideas and kind of found the importance of pretend play through this episode. And again, we will come back with um, some of our favorite pretend play items and activities and really go through how we use those with kids and why they're our favorite. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and check out our website, thespeechsource.com. Also check us out on Instagram for more ideas on speech, language, feeding, and play.